0: Well, good morning, and uh, it's a blessing to be here. You can be seated. We're going to take our Bibles and look at Luke chapter 9, and uh, what an amazing place. I have uh, been grateful for Pastor Chapel and his influence in my life over the years uh, through personal conversations. Uh, he has been a blessing through his teaching, uh, through spiritual leadership conference, and so many other ways. What a wonderful example for us to follow. And uh, I appreciate his investment in my life. I hope you catch uh, what uh, the real Pastor Chapel, I think Brother Green who picked me up from the airport uh, said it best last night. He said, I know I have a pastor who studies God's word and prays. Amen. And we look around and I look at these buildings and what you young people have uh, for a campus and the teachers and it is just incredible. But that is built behind the scenes. God blesses in public what we do in private, and this ministry is evident of a pastor who has spent much time with God uh, when nobody else has seen and nobody else has noticed, and what an incredible blessing. Uh, I am excited to be here, and uh, it's one of those, it's like the day before the big game. Yesterday was like the day before the big game for me. It was like the day before opening season of uh, duck hunting or deer hunting, I uh, went to bed late, late last night, about 12.45, I climbed into the covers and uh, just a little excited, a little fidgety, and went to sleep, and I woke up, looked at my phone, it was 1.30. I said, all right, let's get back to sleep, and woke up, looked at my phone again, it was 2.30. Then did it again at 3.30, and then 4.30. And uh, let's just say I'm tired this morning, and, uh, but it is a blessing, and we're certainly looking forward to all that God has in store. Uh, I, pa- I was a youth pastor there in Oregon, Beaver Creek, uh, for just shy of 10 years. Is Jaxio in here this morning? And uh, Jaxio, where you at? Where you at? Right there. And uh, it's great to see you, man. Why don't you come up? I've got money for you. And uh, uh, for, you're still dating, right? Good. Who's so fine to the wife? Fine of the good thing. And obtain the favor of the Lord, and uh, there's, there's 40 bucks, take her out to uh, lunch or dinner or something like that. And uh, I appreciate Jaxio. Jack CEO. Jaxio Jack CEO was a bus kid in our ministry. Uh, I remember his mom begging us to take him to church camp. Begging us. And my wife uh, kind of uh, behind me saying, Steve, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know how many problems Jaxio is going to be. And uh, we, I said, don't worry, we'll just give them to the other counselors and uh, we'll put them in a different, uh, different tent. Uh, but Jack C.O., oh, I'm so proud of you. It's been such a blessing to see God's work in your life and I'm looking forward to how God continues uh, to use you. I pastor Shawnee Baptist Church of Louisville, Kentucky. My wife and I uh, moved there uh, just shy of five years ago and we've had the privilege to take uh, a ministry and it's somewhat of a church revitalization project. We had our 99th church anniversary this past Sunday, and uh, 450 people in attendance, and certainly exciting all that God uh, is doing there. I've got a beautiful family, I've been married to my wife for 14 years, and uh, we have four children, Krista, Tyler, Zach, and Brayden. Yep, started with a girl. We, we, we had a strike at the beginning, then hit three home runs after that. Uh, just, kid, just kidding, just kidding. And uh, 11, 9, 5, and then my youngest turns 4 this next week. And so certainly we have a busy home. Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9. We're going to look at verses 18 through 25 and primarily this morning focus on verses 23 through 25. Luke 9 verse number 18. And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things. And be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes. And be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself? or be cast away. Jim Elliott was a promising student at Wheaton College in Illinois. He was a champion wrestler, an honor student, an amateur poet, and dearly beloved and admired by his classmates. He was studying this passage here in Luke chapter 9 and Taking it seriously, his senior year of college, he wrote in his journal these now famous words, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. God called him to take the gospel to an unreached tribe, the Aka Indians in Ecuador. Elliot would later write in his journal... Glad to get the opportunity to preach the gospel of the matchless grace of God to pagan Indians. I only hope that he will let me preach to those who have never heard of the name of Jesus before. What else is better in this life? I have heard of nothing better. Lord, send me. Jim did give up what he could not keep he lost himself to gain what he could not lose we hate losing but can I encourage you this morning in this title losing you for his sake losing you for his sake let's bow our heads forward to prayer father we thank you for the privilege to be in chapel this morning What a blessing it is to be in these buildings, sitting under these teachers and this pastor. And Father, we ask once again that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and lives and give us one more spiritual brick to add to the foundation that we have of Jesus Christ. Father, I recognize this morning that I need help. I'm inadequate for the task at hand and I desire to be filled with your spirit. I desire this morning to say exactly what you want said, nothing more than you want said, but also nothing short of what you want said. I don't know the needs or the place that these men and women are at, but you do. So I pray that you'd reach into our hearts and lives. Maybe there's one here today that needs to be encouraged. Maybe there's one that needs to be provoked. Maybe one that needs to be equipped. And God, I'm thankful that by your Spirit, you can speak to us as individuals. And you can be exactly what we need for this hour. And so help us, we pray, in the name of your Son, Jesus. We ask these things. Amen. Last summer, before youth conference, I received a text from a friend. He said, praying for your conference, I know several churches without a pastor. We need young people to surrender. It was in Pastor Chapel's office a couple of years ago where I saw a map of California with red pushpins marking the cities that had 100,000-plus people with no independent Baptist church in the city. In the Northeast, I've heard Pastor Clark speak passionately about the great need of people to plant churches in his corridor. I spoke with three pastors this past month who shared the same difficulty that we've had to find Christian teachers. There is a shortage in Christian schools of young men and young ladies who are prepared to be good educators. Many of our churches have buses sitting in the parking lot with nobody to drive them and nobody to captain. Sunday school classrooms remain empty because there's no teacher to take it and to fill it. There are pastors today searching and waiting for young men that they could train and send out and plant another church within their city. In 2019, this was pre-COVID, LifeWay conducted a research of 39 or 34 different Protestant denominations. There was 3000 churches started in 2019 amongst those 34 denominations. In that same year there was 45,000 that closed their doors, 1,500 less in one year. These thoughts just scratch the surface and certainly do not compare to the need outside of this country and the world. In the next chapter, Luke chapter 10, Jesus is going to send out men into different cities before him, and in verse number two, he's going to say the harvest Truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. At that time in history, scholars believe that there was roughly 300 million people in the world when Jesus spoke of the harvest being plenteous. In 2020, the United Nations report came back with an estimated population of 7.9 billion people. On the earth today? Let me ask you, men and ladies, if the harvest was great in Luke chapter 10, then what is it today? Tell me, where are the next generation of preachers and missionaries, evangelists, and Christian soldiers gonna come from if they don't come from here and places like here? Where does the next group of Timothy's come from if they don't come from here or places like here? Where will the next church planters come? come if they don't come from places like here or here. What is needed now more than ever is committed young men and committed young ladies who will surrender their life to be used by God to build his kingdom. As we look back at our text, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Mind you, these men have already made significant sacrifices to follow him. Jesus speaks of his own death there in verse number 22. Look there with me again, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be slain and be raised the third day. By the way, knowing that was for us, what a sacrifice. Amen? Amen. He speaks of his death, and then Jesus looks at his disciples, and he calls them to theirs. Verse number 23, And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. As men and ladies in the room who have already given up significant things to follow Christ where you're at right now, Can we for just a few minutes consider Christ's words? To those this morning who like me have a desire to make their lives count for the gospel of Jesus Christ for something greater than us. What does Jesus say? I want you to notice first of all this morning Jesus says there first must be a denial of self. A denial of self. If I were to ask you What's next? What would you tell me? Well, I want to be a... I'm planning on leaving here and... I got invited to be... I've always wanted to serve... Or would you say, God is leading me to... God is calling me to... I feel like God is working in my life for me to go do. God has given me the opportunity to. See, Christian circles have become about I, me, and mine. And if we're going to truly make our lives count for him, we must deny self. See, at the end of the day, it, it can't be what I want to do. At the end of the day, it can't be where I want to go or what I want to accomplish there at Shawnee Baptist Church and Northside Christian Academy. At the end of the day, it can't be what I want to preach or what I want to say or what I want to write. Jesus says, if you want to follow me and make your life count, you have to deny someone You have to deny you. By the way, this is not always an easy thing, right? We have dreams, goals, plans, desires. Some of us have looked out into the future and we can see where there is nothing, that there is now one day going to be something. And what a wonderful thing to have dreams and goals and visions. But before we exercise those, there must be a denial of self. Say, Pastor Steve, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm capable of. You don't know how gifted I am at or how well I would fit in in this. You don't understand what I'm capable of. I want to tell you this morning, if you are boasting of what you have to offer as a follower of Jesus, you have not passed this first step of fellowship, And that is denial of self. Self must be put on the altar. My plans must be set aside. We see a wonderful example of this dying to self in Paul or Saul's Damascus road experience. We read about it there in Acts chapter 9, verse number 3, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there was round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished, said, and notice what he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Do you understand what that was this morning? He had a place he was going things he had been commissioned to do, a desire to be in a particular spot. Yet at that moment, he denied all of his plans. Everything that the future had was set off to the side. And it was, what will thou have me to do? See, to be used by him, you have to be empty of you. How well are you doing at setting self aside? Are you filled with ways on how God needs to use you? Are you interested this morning in finding out how God wants to use you? We must lose our self. There's a denial of self. Second of all, look what Jesus says next in verse number 23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and Take up his cross daily. Second of all, there must be a decision to carry. We read this phrase, take up his cross, and to be honest, it doesn't mean as much as us today. We see a small cross maybe hanging from a necklace, a cross on the wall uh, as a symbol, a picture there for us. And by the way, what a wonderful symbol, a great symbol. But we have lost how radical the cross was to these first century Christians. The cross to them was an instrument of Roman torture. Scholars would say at times, at these times, it was not uncommon to see crosses lined the streets with men who were dying or men who were dead, decaying bodies with flies flying around and maggots crawling on them was a common scene. It is said that just during the time of Christ's life, many estimate that there was over 30,000 people who had died from Roman crucifixion. And when you saw someone carrying a cross, they were dead men walking. They were headed to their execution. Yet that's the image that Jesus wanted to share with his disciples about their fellowship. Following Jesus and being involved in his work was never meant to be an easy thing. Later on in our passage, look at verse number 57. He goes on as a man comes to him and says, I will follow thee. And Jesus said in verse number 58, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he sent unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I believe many of God's choicest servants understood what it meant to take up their cross. They were not interested in nice cars or nice homes or nice possessions or luxuries. They were interested in carrying the cross that God had for them. What did it mean to take up the cross? What did it mean when a man was carrying his cross well, very quickly and that number 1 he was headed in one direction. You don't walk around with a cross. You're carrying it to a very specific place. And number 2, he was not going back. He had said his goodbyes. He was headed in one direction much like Hernando Cortez as he landed there in Veracruz, Mexico in 1519. He was intent on conquest. To ensure the devotion of the men who had went with him, Cortez set fire to the 11 ships that were there in the harbor. With no means of retreat, Cortez's army only had one direction to go. And maybe this morning it might be that you have to set fire to some things that you're holding on to. Maybe there are some things or there are some ones that you must say goodbye to if you're going to truly carry the cross. I remember one of the key times in my decisions to follow Jesus. It took place on a Wednesday night. I was 17 years old. I went to church that night. I'm grateful for a mom who took us there. The pastor preached a message, Quitchy like men and be strong. And the whole time, God was dealing with my heart about some things. As we pulled into our driveway there on the farm that evening, I told my mom I'd be at the house in just a little bit. And I took a walk down the long lane that headed back to our orchard. And there in the middle of that lane in the dirt, right by an old tree out in the middle of the field, I knelt down and I just committed the rest of it. I surrendered all of it. As I turned around and headed back home, I knew what I had to do. I got home, I picked up the phone, and I called my girlfriend at the time and said, I don't believe we're headed in the same direction. God's calling me to Bible college, and I know that's not the direction you're headed. God's calling me to serve him full-time, and I know that's not the direction that you're necessarily wanting to go. And I had to set some things behind. There had to be some things put down so I could pick up my cross. And when a man carried his cross, he was headed in one direction. He had, said, he had said goodbyes. He was not going back. Third of all, when a man carried his cross, it meant there was no further plans of his own. He was at mercy to the one leading him. You say, if I have no other f- further plans of my own, then, then what is the cross? Jesus said, a man must take up his cross daily and follow me. See, the cross is not your plans and your desires for your life. The, the cross is not Christ's cross. The cross is the calling that God has for you. For me, right now, it's the pastor of Shawnee Baptist Church, and I must carry that cross. Ten years ago, I was the youth pastor of Grandview Baptist Church, and at that time, I had to... Carry my cross, and there's a cross for you that you must die to self, you must pick up for him. What is it, young man? God is asking you to die to, and what is he asking you to pick up to follow him? Will you? If you study the pronoun cases in the Greek, the word him and himself stand not just for the male gender, but it speaks for mankind. You see, this was not a call just to men, Jesus was speaking to all. That was a distinct part of Christ's fellowship. Other Jewish teachers and Jewish rabbis would never dare invite a woman to follow them or to sit underneath their teachings. But not so with Christ. In Luke 8 and Mark 15, we read of ladies who, just like the disciples, were followers of Jesus Christ. And can I say, ladies, that he has a cross for you as well. And whether young men pick up their cross, it is not your business. It's your business to pick up your cross and follow him. You see, I believe God is still calling some Elizabeth Elliots, who walked back into the village where her husband was murdered and began to share the gospel with those Indians. She said this, the fact that I am a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I am a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. She said, I have no desire now to live a life, or I have one desire now to live a, like a life of reckless abandonment for the Lord, putting all my energy and strength into it. God is still looking for Amy Carmichael, who left the comforts of this country to serve in India. She would say it is a great thing to be faced with the impossible for nothing is impossible if one is meant to do it. When the Lord leads, he always strengthens. God is calling more ladies like Betsy Stockton, a freed slave who became the first single woman missionary to be sent out of America. She had a passion to serve God and to train children. God is calling more Lottie Moons, an under five foot petite lady who spent decades in the North China mission, giving the gospel. She said this, how many they are who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing. Forgetting that the prime object of their salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, bringing the lost back to him. Maybe God is calling the next Susanna Wesley When Susanna was young, she promised the Lord that every hour she spent in entertainment, she would spend in reading God's word and in prayer. Taking care of the house and raising 19 children made that commitment near impossible. She had no time for entertainment or for long hours in prayer. Instead, she committed daily to give two hours to the Lord. She struggled to find a secret place to get away, so she advised her children every time the apron was over mom's head that mom was praying and to leave her alone. Susanna never preached a sermon, left the country, published a book, founded a church, but her spiritual influence over the two sons, John and Charles, shook the world for the Lord. She had to deny herself and pick up her cross. Jesus said, if a man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you're in the habit of underlining things this morning, would you underline that word daily if it's not already underlined? That word daily. How many understand our plans want to creep back up? What we want to do continues to surface. What I would like to see happen is Shawnee Baptist Church keeps rising to the top. And daily, I must be reminded that daily I have to pick up that cross that he has for me. Often in study, I want to say what I want said. I want to tell the church what I think. But I'm reminded that I'm a pastor. I'm a servant of the Lord. I must speak his words and not my own. I must deny self and daily, daily pick up my cross. This is a call to daily lay your plans down and pick up his plans. A call to daily lay down your desires to pick up his desires. A daily call to say no to what others have planned for you and decide to do what he has planned for you. This was a call to daily deny self and say yes to him. Let me ask you, did you deny self today? Was there time this morning that you spent in prayer In which you said, God, I don't want to accomplish what I want to accomplish today. I desire to accomplish what you want me to accomplish. This weekend as you head to a ministry, will it be what you want to do for the day? Or would you be willing to deny yourself and do what he wants you to do for the day? After Jesus says there's a denial of self and a decision to carry lastly, he gives us some advice. We, we could say this, it was some directions to follow. Some directions to follow. Look there with me at verse number 24. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Lose himself or be cast away. What does Jesus say? He says this. You're going to lose your life doing something. That's right. You're going to lose your life doing something. I love what Nate Saint said. He was one of the missionaries martyred alongside Jim Elliott. He went on to say, people who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we would waste our lives as missionaries. They forget too that they are expending their lives. And when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years that they have wasted. You see, you can daily live for you. But how awkward and ashamed will those of us be who have a calling on our life if we spend our life for us? If we spend our life doing what we want and exercising our plans, when you allow your will to die in order to pick up the cross it is death, It's a losing of you. but what it leads to is real living. It sounds foolish to the world around us, but this is how we as God's children find ourselves. When we lose us and live for him, Paul understood it. When he said there in Galatians chapter 2 verse number 20, "I am crucified." With Christ I'm dead but nevertheless I live as one servant of God wrote can we give up all for the love of God when the surrender of ourselves seems too much to ask is it first of all because our thoughts about God himself are small we have not really seen him We have hardly tested him at all and learned how good he is. Is our blindness, we approach him with suspicious reserve. We ask how much of our fun he intends to spoil. How much he will demand from us and how high is the price that we must pay before he is pacified. If we had the least notion, the writer went on to say of his loving kindness and tender mercy, his fatherly love and care for his children, his generosity, his beautiful plans for us, if we knew how patiently he waits for us to turn to him, how gently he means to lead us beside those green pastures and still waters, how carefully he's preparing a place for us, how ceaselessly he is ordering and ordaining and engineering a master plan of good in our life. If we had any inkling of all this, could we be reluctant to let go of our smashed dandelions or whatever we clutch so fiercely in our sweaty little hands? If, with courage and joy, we pour ourselves out for him and for his sake, it is not possible to lose. In any final sense, anything worth keeping. We will lose ourselves and our selfishness and we will gain everything in return. Jesus says you are not losing anything if you're losing everything for him. I need to close. Years after Jim Elliot's death, a young man was flying in a small plane over Ecuador. You might have heard of this before. Both he and the pilot knew of Jim Elliot's ministry. When we fly over the place where Jim Elliot and the others died, can you show me? asked the man. I can't take you there, replied the pilot. Well, why not? Because Jim Elliot did not die in Ecuador. Perplexed the young man remarked, "Yes, I know Jim Elliott died here in Ecuador. Jim Elliott's body died in South America, the pilot said. But Jim Elliott died as a college student. As a senior at Wheaton College several years before when he yielded his life to God, no matter the consequence. And I believe the Holy Spirit today is looking for one who will commit and recommit to deny their own dreams and desires, to daily take up their cross and follow him. Where is the Samuel who will say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth? The Isaiah who will say, here am I, Lord, send me the mary who will say behold the handmaid of the lord be it unto me according to thy word where is the peter who spent time denying him in john 18 but is now ready to deny self and in acts 1 and acts 2 begins leading the next generation for him where's the next jim elliot who during his senior year of college would now say he is no fool who gains what he cannot gain. Sorry, what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus Christ has already modeled this for us. It was there at the garden hours before his crucifixion when he would be kneeling in prayer, sweat drops of blood falling from his forehead, saying, Father, if thou be willing, let this cup pass from me. If there's anything else, if there's any other way we could go about this and still accomplish what you want, then let this cup pass from me. But then he denies himself. Nevertheless, Not my will, but thine be done. This morning, would you follow the example of Christ? And so many other Christian servants who have gone before us, would you decide to lose you? Wherever the will of God and the will of man meets, something's going to die. Would you be willing to lose you for him?